All right, I'll do a fake intro because we are posting this later <laughs> here. So what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Udova podcast, a very normal intro that I normally do. We're recording here on Playback Live. Follow us on Playback if you have not already. Support Underdog Fantasy, our sponsor. Promo code SLOP to get a $100 deposit match today. Uh, my picks did not hit from the NFL that we did today, sadly. Both Justin Jefferson and Jalen Hurts did not hit, but you can go on there and get your chance at hitting on some picks. Right now for Sunday Night Football, they have the Patrick Mahomes special up if you've never done a pick them before. Over one half total yards. Uh, also, the Brees Hall. Uh, I'm being rewarded with Brees Hall over uh, 0.5 total yards for doing their double dribble, which is part of their NBA best ball, where you can build a team throughout the whole NBA season. It's it's a lot of fun. I did a few over the summer. So if you go on Underdog today, sign up with the promo code SLOP, go on there. They always have a lot of uh, good picks for uh, free on there. And in addition to that, you can also go on and do, by the time this episode's up, it, Sunday Night Football's already going to be over. But uh, just for fun, we'll do, uh, we'll do the free Patrick Mahomes pick, uh, just because why not? Um, and then I'm going to go, I think this is a, a lock of the century right here. Lower on Zach Wilson's passing yards, 170. Lower on every Zach Wilson positive stat possible. <laughs> Ever. Ever. For the, yeah. his, for the history of, of mankind. Um, I'm going to go uh, it, lower than, lower than 0.5 games started for Zach Wilson after tonight in the National <laughs> Football League. Yeah. I think that's a very safe bet. I think that it's it's it, uh, everyone's very excited about Taylor Swift being in New York, except for Zach Wilson, who have more attention on how shitty he is in football. It it would be very funny if like Zach Wilson just fucking balled out tonight in front of like Taylor Swift and just like stole her from like Travis Kelsey and just became like Taylor's prince. <laughs> well, she is she's what ten years older than him, so. He yeah. does have a thing for older women. It's a good start. You're right in his strike zone. Yeah. All right. And then tomorrow night for Monday Night Football, we have the Seahawks and the Giants. I'm going to go higher on Geno Smith's passing touchdowns. It's one and a half right now. So go on underdog, throw 20 bucks on that, and you can win 100. Or no, you can only throw 10 because we have a special pick in there. But if you throw 10 on that, the Patrick Mahomes pick, Zach Wilson lower passing yards, and Geno Smith higher passing touchdowns. You could win sixty bucks. So go on Underdog. Uh, please support if you have not already. I would really appreciate it um, because uh, things are getting dark here on the Unibal Podcast for me. And I would appreciate your support. So sign up if you have not already. Uh, Sam, it, hap- it happened. It happened. It happened. Uh, Trader Brad is back on his bullshit. And today we we finally got some closure, uh, the end of the Philadelphia 76ers championship window. But before we get into that, let's talk about your Boston Celtics trading with the Portland Trailblazers. They trade the official details of the trade. I will pull up now on Underdog's page, but the... Th- the gist of it is basically exactly what we talked about the other night when we were discussing yeah. this trade. We were saying it probably will take Rob and um, it probably will take Rob and Brogdon, Brogdon and mm-hmm. it will probably take a pick or two because yeah. we figured just salary wise, 
it made the most sense for um it made the most sense to trade both Rob and Brogdon. They we talked about like the poo-poo platter of uh, you know, Jordan Walsh and Sam Hauser and why that wasn't really realistic. But this trade ends up going through for Rob, for Brogdon, the Golden State pick next year that you guys got in the Marcus Smart trade from Memphis. And the 20, and, and that was also top four protected. And then an unprotected pick in 2029 from the Celtics. So you've had about a day to almost a full day to process it. It happened this morning. How do you feel about it now? Cause I know you, you had some mixed emotions the other day. Have you, have you come around on this or are you still just kind of on the fence? I, I'm not, I mean, I don't, I, I, I kind of stick with what I said. I mean, I don't, I mean, so there's like, there's two levels to this. There's like emotionally, like Rob was probably my favorite Celtic on the team that like wasn't Marcus Smart. So like, it's like a very emotional, uh, you know, like, like emotionally, um, you know, I, I don't like the trade just cause like we're losing a, a, a fun guy, but like after they made the smart trade, I, I, I spent all season complaining, whining, and bitching because, like, Malcolm Brogdon was still on the team A, and then B, just the team didn't make a lot of sense. Like, with the composition of the team, the way the team was after the Porzingis deal, there was nobody who could um, <clears throat> dribble the basketball that, like, and, and playmake that wasn't Jason Tatum, and there was no one who could defend people taller than 6'3 on the perimeter that was not Jason Tatum. So like, it's just a lot to do for your, you know, it was just a lot of pressure to put on your, the guy who's supposed to be like your best player. You're supposed to be taking that stuff off of their plate, not putting it on them. So I think Drew addresses both of those needs. Um, I'm less worried about um, that. He goes poo poo in the playoffs every year because he's going to be the fourth Celtic, you know, like there's going to, he's going to be on the floor with one to two guys who are going to have plate making responsibility ahead of him. That was never something that was going on in, um, you know, for him in Milwaukee. So yeah, I just, except for the championship I, year. Yeah. Well, besides the championship year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and then, and there you go. Proof is in the pudding a little bit there, you know, like yeah. I think that's when Drew's at his most effective is when he doesn't have a huge offensive responsibility. So I thought they had to do something like this. It's a pretty steep price, especially with the 2029 pick being unprotected. You know, like God knows where Jason Tatum will be. Things change fast in the NBA, but like this is the kind of trade you've got to make if you want to go all in. And I think, you know, this is a guy who in the playoffs gave Dame his hardest cover um, in a playoff series. Um, So, you know, there's a pretty direct, you also keep Drew Holiday away from, you know, Miami, I don't know how realistic that was that they were ever going to trade for him. But, you know, there's also, you know, uh, something going on there where you get to kind of take care of all of that. And, I think the um, Sixers were probably more realistic than Miami, but still, it's the same concept. Yeah, same concept. You know, you kind of, yeah, you damn the Sixers a little bit by doing something like this. And, you know, you... Uh, so, you know, like there's a lot of, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I think the team makes a lot more sense. Sorry, my cat is just no, you're standing good. right, standing right next to me. And yeah. Um, and I didn't know he was in here. He, he hides. Um, <laughs> we, uh, but, but I just think that this is going to be like, I, I like that. I'm, I feel a lot better about the team's championship, like chances this year, you know, like, and a lot of my downside for it is just like, 
you know, emotional things because I think that, you know, the way they were going to have to play defense with Chris Stapp's Porzingis, I, I don't know if Rob was ever going to, if that fit was ever going to be clean. And to be honest, I don't think Joe Mazzulla really knows how to use Rob that well. So you're, if you're committing to Joe Mazzulla, might as well. Like this is, this is the bed the Celtics have made for themselves. I appreciate that they're at least leaning into this weird little concept they have. So, um, yeah, yeah. They're definitely going full in on Missoula ball. They don't have mm-hmm. a vertical spacer anymore. They don't have a guy that is, you know, I would say a versatile as Rob on both ends for sure. But having mm-hmm. said that, I mean, first off, just the, the package in itself. Brogdon is a guy that you already tried to trade. So that, that bridge was burned. Yeah. That Negative, was, I don't want, I don't want to hear about the six man of the year. Dog yeah. shit player, completely salary filling. This is actually a, that actually is one of the upsides of the trade is that Joe Mazzulla won't play him 20 minutes a game anymore. <laughs> like, so that is getting Joe Mazzulla, getting Malcolm Brogdon away from Joe Mazzulla is, is worth, you know, a lot it's of the, the money ball thing. Did, yeah, did, exactly. Didn't, he, didn't Brad Pitt do this in Moneyball to Philip Seymour Hoffman where he trades away the guy that he won't stop pit, like the pitcher or something? Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's that. Yeah. That would, that's the huge benefit. Like I, very funny. That Carlos the Pena, Brogdon, there it is. The, the Malcolm Brogdon acquisition led directly to my two favorite Celtics being traded, but you know, Enos so, Freedom esque run for him. So, uh, just from a a trade value standpoint, Malcolm Brogdon, like I said, out the window. Uh, I, that wasn't a salvageable situation in my mind because because you guys have a a front office that is emotionally intelligent. They understand that when a player doesn't want to be somewhere after you, you know, you've already tried to move them or you don't want to pay them, that it's smart to move off of that player so that they're not in the locker room and upsetting other guys. Which, by the way, Malcolm Brogdon has had multiple times where he's gotten coaches fired in other situations based on and and was not happy with his role in Indiana at, at times before. I think it would be smart for any team to do this. I could not imagine wanting to hold a player against his will on a team that wants to contend for a championship. It just makes no sense in my brain. But anyway, so Brogdon, it's, I don't really, I just view view that as salary filler because of the situation. I I'm, I'm not quite as low on Malcolm Brogdon as you, but I, I do think that it's just, it was something that needed to be done to get the deal done. In addition to that, Robert Williams is a good player, obviously. Uh, when healthy, he's been awesome. Uh, during the year that the Celtics went to the finals, especially before the injury, he was incredible on both ends. But just like Brogdon, he's not available a lot. And I think that the Celtics at least knew probably that he might not ever get back to the level that he was. And even if he does, they can't rely on him in a way like you're, you're trading, you know, obviously Porzingis is a a roll of the dice. There's a lot of uncertainty there, but you're trading one guy or two guys that have major injury histories that cannot be relied on in big situations. When you get into a playoff setting and you want to try to go deep into the playoffs and you're trading him for a guy in Drew Holiday who, you know, faults and all with Drew. And yes, he shoots like dog shit in the playoffs every year for some reason. He will be available. He will be able to play in those games. He is pretty much like, I I, I mean, from the modern NBA sta- standpoint, 
pretty much an Iron Man. I feel like he doesn't miss much time anymore. Um, I, I, I'm just kind of going off the top of my head here. I don't know how many games he's played every year recently, but I remember last year he played a ton of games. I, I, I think that he is someone who is generally pretty reliable and adds in that thing that you said, Marcus Smart, obviously losing him, the captain of the defense, someone that will do the dirty work. He's certainly willing to do that. So, uh, yeah, Drew was incredibly healthy for the Bucks. So there you go. I I think from the picks perspective in this trade, uh, that Golden State pick could end up being better than we think. Uh, I, I, I'm not really sure where Golden State is going to end up in the standings, but we already know Draymond's out to start the year, probably. He's probably going to miss at least a week or two of the regular season, I'd imagine, based on what we've heard on this latest injury. They're an aging team. They have some questions about their construction as well, and it seems like every other year they're kind of uh, not so great. So maybe this is the year that they bounce back and they are good. But long story short, here that Golden State pick at least has some upside if if you're Portland uh, in you know a weak draft next year. But still, could it be uh, you know in the teens like it was this year? Sure, that's that that could end up being a valuable pick for them. To me, the most valuable part of this trade is that 2029. Celtics pick if I'm looking at it from the Blazers perspective because you're trying to bet on a team so far out that you're hoping that by then it's a completely different team and I think Boston absolutely I I like the trade for both sides actually but I think that Portland taking the risk on the Celtics not being the same team in six years is a worthy gamble and risk to take if you're trying for up because obviously they've they are not really caring about the the quantity of picks that they're acquiring. They're they're caring about the quality of picks. And with the Bucks and Celtics picks, you at least have a shot of them being it being a decent pick a few years from now. Spurs made the same bet in the Derek White trade. Like, I think that was a 2028 swap. So, mm-hmm. so there you go. Like, I mean, and it's you know, it's a fine bet. I mean, every time Jason Tatum uh, is anywhere, it's talking about how cool Kobe is and uh you know like who knows uh you know the Celtics have a lot of old and injured guys now you know they've paid Jalen Brown you know and there's a lot of time between now and then this that's six years five six years away like Jason Tatum could sign an extension tomorrow and his contract would be up when that year comes up you know like so I don't know I uh so it, I don't it's think just, he can sign an extension tomorrow, but he couldn't like, well, I think it's like a year from now or maybe two. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I was more talking about just like to put it in perspective for like time, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like to give everyone a, a idea of like what the time is like, like if, if Jason Tatum signed the a, like a five more years, the maximum amount of extension he could, it would like be going out in 2029. So that's what you're talking about. You have no idea what anything's going to look like then. So that's, you know, when they get Rob, um, I don't know what an eight and Rob, fit is going to look like that's going to be pretty interesting kind of weird yeah um but i mean i guess if you're portland you're not really sweating it i also think they might be able to sweep like the clippers still might give up something for malcolm brogdon if you're taking like marcus morris back like that was the i think it's the rockets the rockets so they have the kevin porter jr money and if they Mm. just include jay sean tate and a first round pick possibly they could get malcolm brogdon I mean, that's what they wanted for the Kevin Porter Jr. contract, as gross as it is. 
they want another guy that can fit in their rotation. And Brogdon on a team like the Rockets would be perfectly fine. Yeah, sure. I'd be, it'd be very funny to have the idea of like, I feel bad for Rockets fans. So I watch shitty Malcolm Brogdon, uh, like getting all the reps that they want to go to like Jalen Green is just, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, but <laughs> to be fair, have you watched the last two to three years of Rockets basketball? It doesn't, I mean, you can't get much worse. I, I said this, I said the same thing last year. I was like, Oh, Malcolm Brogdon, like, He's not my favorite, but it can't get any worse. And I'm begging for the sweet release of death here at the end of my one year of the Malcolm Brogdon experience. So I'm just saying, you don't want you don't want no part of this shit, Dewey. <laughs> I mean, we're also talking about fan bases that had expectations that were a little bit higher than the Pacers, Sixer, or I'm sorry, Celtics and Bucks that have Even Malcolm the- Brogdon. But even the Pacers fans were like, you know, they didn't they they didn't react like they had a gun pulled on them the way that I I did. But like they 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 did react like someone like uh, I don't know uh, called them a, a, a some sort of nasty word or something like that. Like yeah. I'm telling you, the Malcolm Brogdon experience bottom bottom five NBA experiences in my life. Really just dis- really disliked it. <laughs> so, uh, so what the what the Blazers actually ended up with here after trading Dame, it is kind of funny to me. Two, there's two angles to this. One, obviously, me praising Joe Cronin uh, for being a Chad hero and not trading Damian Lillard to the Miami Heat like he wanted, but then also him making the Bucks better and getting Damian Lillard there and then also making the Celtics better by getting Drew Holiday there it's definitely been a super monkey's paw for me uh through this whole situation um and I I just want to review what the Blazers ended up getting for Damian Lillard so we have it here we have DeAndre and Robert Williams Malcolm Brogdon Tumani Kamara the top four protected Golden State Warriors pick next year, an unprotected first from the Bucks and the Celtics in 2029, and then two pick swaps from 28 and 30. Now, look, only three guaranteed picks, two unprotected, though, that are far out, which you never know what they can be. And then the swaps at least have a chance to convey at least the one in 2030 when Giannis is, you know, what, is he going to be 36 years old by that point? That's a very interesting asset to me. I I don't I, I think that we have to wait wait once again to see what comes of the Malcolm Brogdon uh trade because I think that they're gonna try to trade him. And if they're gonna take the PR hit of trading for Kevin Porter Jr., like I said, as gross as it is, if they're willing to do that, they might say we need to get a first round pick out of this because otherwise it's just a really bad look uh, for the organization and they're not going to want to do it for free as a, a favor to the Rockets. So, um, so yeah, I think that this is a fine return for Damian Lillard. Now, look, you have to look at it like we're probably out of the era of, unless it is Luca Giannis, I don't even think Joel Embiid is going to get the level of return in a trade that we've become uh, used to become used to for these like Kevin Durant, even like Rudy Gobert a year ago. I think that this is somewhat close 
in value to those, especially if they are able to flip Brogdon for more value. But we're probably beyond the days of top X player getting traded for an insane haul plus a bunch of good players. I just feel like that that might end up being behind us with this new CBA. And also the fact that teams just don't have enough to trade anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, that's because that's what it comes down to. I mean, like it is in some ways it's like with some of these teams, it's like, what can you offer? You know, like the Bucks gave up everything they could offer. I, I talk about this a lot, you know, like about how, like whenever Sam Presti has to make his move to like make the thunder better, his price is going to be more expensive than the average teams because he just has more to give. They can ask more of you. And I think that that is going to influence. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think like if Joel Embiid ends up getting traded, I think it will be less than people are expecting. Cause we had this weird little fucked up market where like two owners come into the league um, and you know, rubber stamp these really fucked up trades yeah. and um, like really, you know, confuse them. I mean, Kevin Durant, you know, different circumstance. Like he, you know, the, like he, he was always worth that, but like the Rudy Gobert thing, like fucked with everyone. I mean, even Donovan Mitchell, do you think Donovan Mitchell would go for the same amount that the Cavs paid for him these days? No. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see because, <laughs> Well, I think we'll see very soon. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's six months from now or it's a year from now, but I think that we will see how much Donovan Mitchell returns. And now keep in mind, when the Cavs did trade for him, he had three years left on his deal. And now mm-hmm. when he gets traded, he might have a year and a half or a year left on his deal. And that could change the calculus a little bit for teams. Also, less teams have flexibility with the second apron for trading purposes. Less teams have flexibility when it comes to trading picks. And it might just be if he has a two-team trade me to uh, the Nets or the Heat or the Knicks or whatever, that might make it hard for the Cavs to get the same amount of value back in a trade. And I think that like a lot of people have been talking. Obviously, I'm thinking about how this affects the Sixers, this Drew Holiday trade, and I feel like I felt like Drew might have been the last shot that we had at kind of reconciling the entire Harden situation and getting some a good player out of it. And the Celtics getting him is obviously the worst case scenario for us uh, beyond maybe just the Clippers getting him. I think the Clippers would have been another bad one because then there's literally no suitors left for Harden if that whole thing falls apart. But I'm the reason I bring this up is I I don't I wonder what is in store for Miami here because I like I still think they need to make a move. Like you can't look at what the Celtics did this offseason, what the Bucks did this offseason and sit on your hands uh unless you're Daryl Morey who is just completely fully like unattached to reality and just thinks that basketball is played on a computer and that you don't have emotions in a locker room. You tried to trade Tyler hero all summer and now you're bringing him back. You have worse depth next season and you have tradable picks and prospects. If you're Miami, you have to do something, but the next guy to hit the market is probably Zach Levine or Donovan Mitchell. And it doesn't feel like those trades are going to happen right now. 
I will say it is a little bit of a different situation with the Tyler Hero thing because it seems like his uh, critical thinking skills may not be <laughs> um, uh, great because he was like, oh, yeah, they got to investigate what was going on with this Dave trade, <laughs> like, like with Jimmy Butler. And like, it's like, bro, um, I have some news about that. <laughs> But where the salary was coming from at that trade. So, you know, maybe Tyler Hero just, like, literally doesn't understand that he was on the trade block this whole time, and it might be fine. Yeah, he rules. I'm, I'm honestly a little upset because I think this is smart of Miami, to be honest, because I don't think they I don't think they have a, a chance. Like, this is – they got worse. Like, they, they almost didn't make the playoffs last year, and I know, like, oh, they were in the finals. Like, it's – one of the most fraudulent Mickey Mouse runs that required one of the most insane shooting things, and also like Giannis perfect... injury, uh, Celtics uh, complete in total diarrhea disaster. Not having to play the, um, not having to play the Sixers, but also the Sixers also would have like I, I think Joel would have destroyed them. Like I, there, there's like. I, I, I think that they understand. I think this shows that the Heat front office, like they could have gotten Dame and that could have, you know, preserved the window a little bit. I'm still, I remain very skeptical that Miami would have been good with all of their, I, I just don't think they're very good. And I think everyone has the, 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 the thing of Spo like just inventing rotation players out of nowhere, like, doing that like three times in a row has everyone like convinced, Oh, they can just keep doing that. Right. And I, I don't like, it, it's funny to say, and it's like, I get why people would say, well, I'm just going to assume that they're, they can do that until I see otherwise, you know, cause why wouldn't you? But I just like, like, you know, we live in reality that they can't keep doing that. Like that, that's just realistically, like even the teams with the best development, the best luck, the best everything, you will fuck that. You will fuck that up eventually. So I just, I think they're going to be too thin. And I think they know that. I don't like why gut all of your prizes for these middling tier guys that don't fucking matter. Like, you know, punt on the season, see if it pisses Jimmy off. Like, I mean, like, would it be the worst thing in the world if they had to trade Jimmy right now? Like how many years does Jimmy have left? Well, they're not going to trade Jimmy. I'm saying, not, like, if he's if he if he's mad about this, like, they're not. Um, he's already said he doesn't want to play anywhere else. He wants to retire with the Heat. I have uh, a Kyrie Irving video about you know, him needing to resign. Uh, things change fast in all in all of this stuff. Like, I don't. I we'll see what happens. We'll see what you know when they're. 16 I think he has like and, four years left on his deal. When they're like sixteen and twenty four to start the year, we'll see what tune jimmy butler is singing at that well point, sam you but... must be destroyed because they didn't get damian lillard to ruin their team so this is actually I'm bad news you, for you i still i i i honestly i am a little i that the bucks thing was kind of a worst case scenario because he went to a team that actually actually make good and uh we did get Drew out of it, though, so I don't know. That's the thing from the Bucks' perspective is they think they yeah. get away with... By the way, the, the comments are driving me insane right now. Giannis missed two games. Yes, the Bucks mm-hmm. did win one, uh, shooting incredibly hot from three. He also missed the majority of game one and mm-hmm. the lost in ga- a critical game three, came back and was playing injured in game four and five. Like, what... Did we watch the same playoffs? Like I, that yeah. injury certainly benefited the Heat. <laughs> what are you talking about? 
Yeah. <laughs> no. Anyway, this is Will's Will. I'm disabling notifications. I can't listen to Will in the comments right now. Um. <laughs> um. So, so obviously, from the Bucks' perspective, you feel pretty great about the Dame trade. It felt like a coup for the Bucks at the time. Obviously, we discussed that when the trade happened, and yeah. now you probably just made one of your your biggest rival in the Eastern Conference, the biggest threat to winning the Eastern Conference other than you, a little bit stronger. So that that at least puts a little caveat on the trade, a little kind of footnote on the value that you got out of that. Because I was already like still thinking that these teams were kind of even. And I know that Drew shoots like shit in the playoffs. I know that he hasn't been like a big time playoff performer offensively over the past few runs. But at the same time, I do think that he addresses a lot of the issues that were left from when they traded Marcus Smart. And now the Celtics and the Bucks are kind of in the same position in that they they feel really good about the top end of their rotation, which is for the Celtics, probably their top six guys, which is <laughs> uh, the starters plus whoever comes off the bench, whether that's Horford or Derek White or whoever. Mm-hmm. And then... For the Bucks, you feel really good about your top four guys, Dame, Giannis, Middleton, and Lopez. And then you're just trying to solve for the Bucks. It's the five to eight in the rotation for when you get to the playoffs, assuming everyone has good health. And then for the Celtics, it's the seven, eight, and possibly nine spots, which I think should be able to be solved much easier than whatever problems that you had if the Celtics didn't make this trade or if the Bucks didn't make the Damian Lillard trade. So... I think both teams got better, but I also think that this, what seemed like such a grand slam for the Bucks, doesn't seem like, maybe it's more of a two-run home run than a grand slam, because Drew Holiday going to the Celtics also makes them better. Yeah, it does. I would be. I. I. It's safe to say now. I would be very surprised if it was not one of the Bucks or Celtics that came out of the East. Yeah, like I, I feel like they're the right now you know, before the trade deadline or anything like that. I think those are the only two teams that have a chance really in the East. Um, Contrasted against the West where there's like five teams that I I feel like I could kind of talk myself into out there, but um, at least at this point, I mean, yeah, I I will say, I know that I was kind of like talking us into the Mavs a little bit on a recent pod. Mm -hmm. I saw that they're starting Omax prosper and Derek lively to start the preseason. And I was like, okay, maybe I should, Pump the brakes, <laughs> starting two rookies along with Grant Williams, who you know, look, he was good for you guys, but he also fell out of your rotation at certain points. So it's not like it's not yeah. like the, the, the Mavs did get better this offseason compared to where they were last year, but mm-hmm. also I think that that was a kind of easy bar to clear because they were just a complete mess last year. Well, I mean. Our, the, the the way we were able to defend Giannis was with Grant Williams and Marcus Smart. Like those are the, who the who defends guys. Giannis now? Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown. They had Jalen Brown doing it a lot last time we played the Bucks because he's like very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like you don't have to like you don't get caught in you don't get Jalen Brown caught in rotation like which is what's really bad for Jalen Brown is like his off ball defense. So like I don't know how much you want to do that like in a full series but they do need like a big strong guy like is it Wenyan Gabriel now <laughs> like yes, I, don't, I don't know Wenyan Gabriel season Parm is pumped yes this is uh huge huge for the Parm. I told you Brad Stevens first Christoph mm-hmm. Porzingis now Wenyan Gabriel 
The stars are aligning that Parm is is in Brad Stevens' ear. Parm, Parm is in the Stevens front office. Parm is uh, Zarin. He, he's low key Zarin. He's like uh, <laughs> the, he's like the faceless man in Game of Thrones. But uh, you know, it's uh, just him in, in different front offices making different trades. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I I like both of these trades. I'm glad both of these trades happened because it makes the East a lot more interesting. And I was going to be very. I was going to be very depressed by the state of the Eastern Conference basketball if these trades didn't happen. Because I I don't think either of these teams were going to – I think both of these teams would have get would have gotten boat raced by the Nuggets or some, or whoever comes out of the West. Whoever yeah. comes out of the West if, if they, like, ended up playing them. But now I feel like they are properly equipped to, you know – take on the Nuggets who are like my default setting or like, you know, if the Warriors have a, a good resurgent year or like, you know, something like that, you know, like I, I feel like both of these teams can now hang with those Western Conference teams. And I, I really think we are back to, you know, having, honestly, you could talk me into like eight different teams that could win the title this year. Like, so. Yeah, it feels, know. it feels very open once again. And I think that the, yeah, this certainly ups the the title equity for both the Bucks and the Celtics. And I feel the same way you did. When we were going through the over-unders, I was like, oh boy, some of these teams, like these are not contenders. Uh, these teams to me are not, uh, you know, th- these teams are like what I would describe as fringe contenders with massive flaws that at the higher levels can be exploited by elite teams and elite talent. And now... I feel like these are both worthy conference finals teams and possible title winners, depending on obviously how good their top end talent plays, but that's kind of how it plays every year. And also health luck, which is a a big part of it as well. But I've been saying, I think that I I think the teams have kind of punted on depth uh, and they're trying to build more like the last few champions, which is the warriors who have kind of built on the fringes, finding a Gary Payton and an auto Porter, the nuggets who found Bruce Brown and Jeff green for the end of their rotation with Jeff green. And then the bucks who got PJ Tucker at the deadline and Bobby Portis in free agency teams aren't really too concerned about their deeper end guys. And they're more worried about their top end talent. And honestly, it's a smart move. Like I think it's harder to acquire top end talent. I think that it's, harder to uh you know just get guys in that fit well and the one thing i i the thing that i i, I want to pivot to talk a little bit i'm going to pull up rob flom here in a second we're going to talk about the, how this affects the clippers but i want to pivot and talk a little bit about the sixers as well and the reason i bring this up is because i tweeted earlier today and i said the bucks got damian lillard who was famously a good locker room guy great talent the uh celtics got Drew Holiday, who is a good locker room guy, good talent. And then the Sixers are now trying to hold hostage, not only James Harden, but also for Kukurkmas, who both have requested trades and want to get out of Philadelphia. So the vibes are not great. We're going to pull up Rob Flom right now. Um, Rob's going to come up and talk to us about the Clippers, because obviously they were also in on the Drew Holiday sweepstakes. They have been in on James Harden, and they were also in on Malcolm Brogdon at one point. So this trade obviously affects them as well. But I just want to talk a little bit about the Sixers and how all of this kind of shakes out. Now, I saw a lot of people having the reaction to this trade being, what were the Sixers going to do? They can't compete with 
what the Celtics gave up. And I totally agree with that, by the way. I don't, I mean, what could they have done? I guess is my question. I, I don't think that they, they had an opportunity to trade a, you know, two quality rotation players and two first round picks that the Blazers really valued unless the Clippers were willing to give up one of their first round picks, potentially unprotected. And then maybe another rotation player. Uh, so I just don't really see a way that they could get them. And I totally understand that. But also, that doesn't make up for the fact that you never were realistically engaging in any of these trades. The reason why Sixers fans are so mad is because of the fact that you're basically putzing around and you're not taking teams seriously when they're making offers for James Harden. You're saying that you want to bring him back. You want to do this whole thing. And we all know that's never going to work. Now, you had an opportunity to make some other moves this offseason and you're trying to sell us on this cap space plan for next year in the middle of Joel Embiid's prime when he's 29 going on 30. We know how the history of the NBA works with these stars and potentially asking out. And you sat back and you watched as the Bucks, who had very, very, very little assets and the Celtics who had more assets but didn't necessarily need to make a move get much better uh, with with this trade. And obviously the Bucks got much better with their trade as well. So that's where Sixers fans are at with their frustration. They're just pissed because, you know, we are approaching a time that is a very critical time in Joel Embiid's career, his prime, and they're sitting on their hands. Once again, There's this team has zero shot to win a title, and that should never be the case when your best player wins MVP the year before and another one of your players could be turned into positive value for another trade somewhere down the line here. So that's just where Sixers fans are at. And I think that anyone who's saying we couldn't compete with them is totally right, but also we're going to be extremely frustrated with the current situation. So Rob, from the Clippers perspective, did you hear any, I didn't hear anything about what the Clippers were offering in this trade, I didn't hear anything about what they could have potentially got either for James Harden in a three-team trade or for Drew Holiday. Did you hear anything? So nothing has been reported. I will say from what I've heard um, from both Clippers and actually Blazers people, um, it's, you know, the, the Blazers wanted at least two first-round picks. And I think the Clippers' best chance of getting somebody was through um, – the three-team deal with the Sixers, right? Yeah. Like, that's why Clippers fans also very despondent right now um, because the Drew hate trade reduced... Obviously, it, it eliminated their chance of getting Drew and it reduced their chance of getting Harden. From what I heard, the Clippers were putting in a first-round pick, which who knows if they've even offered a first for Harden. But they offered at least one first for um, in, in the Drew talks. And from what I heard, like, a deal maybe could have... The three-team trade could have been done... But Maury was refusing to put in the first. So it would have been yep. the Clippers send a first. I think this is totally unsourced. I think they might have traded man, um, like a first and Terrence. Uh, the Sixers send a first and then whatever other salary goes sent wherever. Um, but Maury was not putting in a first. Um, and because of that, by yeah. the way, I heard the same thing. I heard all he was willing to offer was just Harden to make the salary work. And then they would get Drew and he wasn't willing to put in an extra first. And because of that, Boston has two firsts and a, a good player that in Robert Williams that the Blazers probably were interested in. And now they can flip Malcolm Brogdon for value. You just, if you weren't willing to include the first, there was no talks to be had. 
Yeah, and that's why I forget who reported it. I don't know if it was like one of the national people or if it was like a Sixers person like Kyle or Derek or whatever. But it was basically like the three-team trade barely went anywhere. And that's why. It was Kyle um, Newbeck, yeah. Yeah, because Maury was just like, I'm not putting in a first. The Clippers were not putting in two firsts. Otherwise, I personally think that even without a player along the caliber of Robert Williams, if the Clippers had put in 2028 20, and 2030 first, I think those are better than either of the picks included by like a significant margin. Sure. So I, I can't imagine that they put in those two firsts. I've not heard from anywhere that they'd be willing to put in both firsts. So my guess is their best offer was like uh, the 2028 first Terrence Mann salary and then maybe like a swap, like some seconds. They didn't have enough on their own either. The only way a deal was going to get done was if the Clippers and Sixers had had come together and uh, that that did not happen. Um, I think people, it's so funny that people are like Cronin is uh, is biased. I feel like Maury was like not going to help also because it would have helped the, six, uh, the Clippers a lot. Like, I think there is, like, some personal, a, a little personal vendetta there, which, like, I, I, you know, whatever. It is what it is. But, like, uh, yeah. I, I, I Wait, just a personal think... vendetta with the Clippers front office? Well, just, like, he doesn't, it's, like, the same thing. Like, Harden is his guy, is, right. was his guy, demands a trade to the Clippers. And I was like, no, I'm not, you know. Right. It's it's the same thing that people were saying about Cronin with Dame wanting to go yeah. to Miami and that he wasn't going to deal with just one team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's more than the personal bias. It's like the one team thing. But sure. like all we've heard from, I mean, from what I've heard, the Clippers and Sixers stuff literally is is basically dead. Like because yeah. Maury is, is just not willing to play ball. We can argue about whether that's smart negotiating or not. But like yeah. it's it's not happening right now. So the Clippers aren't getting anybody except for maybe Malcolm Brockton, which Sam will. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Guys, I hate to interrupt. I've just gotten word. Um, the FBI and um, ATF are closing in on Joe Cronin's compound now. He is being arrested for um, crimes, crimes against decency, crimes against humanity. Um, they don't think that he's going to allow himself to be taken alive. So, um, you know, very sad situation unfolding in Portland. Yeah, this no. is. Uh, th- I mean, look. He honestly deserves it after after not not accepting Tyler Hero, uh, the the prize of the NBA. That is the if he if he was to really be put on the trade block, obviously Tyler Hero was never actually put on the trade block. Every he he fits on what twenty eight of thirty NBA teams. Like every team would be lining up, and and his team would be willing to trade him. That would be that would be more insane than the Toronto Raptors trading OG Ananobi. Or even consider even considering trading OG Ananobi, oh. the next Kawhi Leonard mixed with Paul George. That's why everyone in the NBA wants OG and Hero. Number one, number two. You have the fut- the next F in Tyler Hero, and then also Kawhi mixed with Paul George. I will say this uh this offseason has been kind of an offseason where like being a slop merchant has been rewarded and being anti-slop has, has gotten you punished. Yeah. So like M- Masai, Daryl Morey, all of these anti-slop, mm-hmm. um, you know, entities are um, receiving their just comeuppance. So sure. learn from them, NBA front offices. You must give Trill and I slop or you will, you will fall. What teams have, have rewarded us with the most slop over the last few years? Honestly, it's arguable. The Celtics, I would say. I have, yeah. The Celtics make a big trade every offseason, at least one. They made two this offseason. Mm-hmm. And they have been rewarded with 
now starting what five all-stars basically yeah. five guys who have made all-star teams yeah it's four guys who have made all-star teams and one guy who just made all defense and Derek white right well al horford if he does start would actually technically that's, also be an all-star that's he'll what probably I was be saying. The... yeah yeah i mean not they're not different point in his career now but right uh i mean rob you, you've got to be really excited i mean like well because that was going to be like what is the clippers move now because i feel like that they want to like get off salary like in some way like was marcus morris just gonna like be on the team like at the start of camp like is that what's happening here i mean media day is tomorrow for yeah. the clippers and like the sixers yep yeah and i mean not only do they have the marcus morris thing they have the josh primo thing now which i don't want to go into because i've spent so many yeah. words talking yeah, about we that all know already. it's gross but yeah. like yeah, I mean, I, I, it's crazy. Like, Marcus Morris has said, like, multiple times on social media this summer about, like, hating Clippers fans. And, like, it's so, posts that were let up for, like, hours. I and can't imagine if a player on my team was just so disgruntled <laughs> that he would post something like that on social media. Um, Marcus Morris, Philly Philly guy. Yeah, um, he's coming home. Um, Don't worry. Yeah, I mean, I people. some people think, Sam, that, like, the Clippers are – basically quiet quitting is the term I would use on the, on the Paul George Kawhi Leonard era. Just like, yeah, like whatever, like, you know, we'll, we'll bring back a couple guys, like how oh, we'll resign Mason Plumlee. Like we'll trade for, you know, Kenyon Martin Jr. But like, we're not trading any real future assets. We don't believe in this team. And we're going to say we do. They might even assign them to extensions and be like, you know, they fill the stadium they bring in a lot of money, but like we don't believe in this team's ability to win a championship well, and just play out the screen. Yeah, I guess that's just what's confusing to me is like because they have like one of the most insane payrolls in the NBA and it's going to be like financially very punitive. So like normally if you're like quiet quitting on a season, like you quietly like cut payroll. Dump, yeah, exactly. These, you dump salaries and you yeah. dump salary, and they're like not even doing that. They're just like bringing back like I think Marcus Morris makes eighteen million dollars or he something does. like that. Yeah, if they were yeah. to like, if they were to dump Marcus Morris, I think that would save them. Like, I'm not kidding. Like a hundred million dollars, <laughs> like over like multiple seasons. It's close. So the, the yeah. I mean, that's the reason they let Eric Gordon walk is because yeah. he was making twenty million, and that did save them a hundred million. I think Marcus yeah. Morris would be like eighty or something. I, it's it's disgusting. <laughs> um, I, I I do have something to say. Yeah. As we reflect on the the end of the Clippers and the Sixers potentially on the night of the Shagel, just Alexander, Paul George trade. I had an executive <laughs> call. <made. laughs> and he said, you know, the Clippers, they had to do it. They had to do it, but also it had potential to be the worst trade in NBA history. I'm just saying on the night of the trade, do you believe this? I want, I want to know, I want, like, an oral history of, like, what Clippers staffer told Zach to, like, fuck off. Because, like, it's it's so funny that that's, like, the only team. Like, like you can tell Zach's in the bag for the Heat and the, and the Raptors, but you can tell he also fucking hates the Clippers. And I want to know, like, what the story is there. Like, what happened where, like, Zach... That's like Zach's only team. Like he he turns into a mean Al Hassan when he's yeah. talking about the Clippers. It's like very funny. I would be I would be very interested in trying to track. This is way beyond what I would actually put in amount of time I'd put into this. Is when he turned because I know for a fact like the Clippers were very 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 strict on like getting positive Russ coverage. 
Zach, not a huge Rust guy. Yeah. I think it was before then, but he was like pretty critical of the move. I wonder if it was like around then. But yeah, it's 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 so funny. He's just like, yeah, the Clippers. I think you know, I think they let go of the rope. Uh, you know, the, the West has passed them by. I think he said that like five times. Well, I think he's not wrong. I was gonna say the the thing with Zach is that he. He's not quite as mean to the Sixers. He's got a little bit meaner to the Sixers because how couldn't you be? They drive everyone insane, uh, especially with this whole thing. And he, he kind of went in on Sixers uh, ownership recently on a podcast. But I think the fact that they the Clippers made him look kind of stupid because he was all in on the Clippers for like two or three years. And then every year it was just like, we never knew when guys were going to play, like whatever. Obviously they fell down the standings. They lost in the playoffs again. I think that he just feels like he got kind of Charlie Brown with the football. And now he, he it feels like he's turned a bit on, on them. Uh, but I do just want to bring this up real quick. I I've been shared in the uh, comment section here. Uh, have we seen the Barry Jackson posts? <laughs> He's yes. having a bit of a mental breakdown on the feed. If you're listening and you can't see this on your screen because you're not watching on YouTube or playback, Barry Jackson, our friend, FLA Sports Buzz, mm-hmm. they won their titles. My impression is that they're happy fielding a competitive team and selling out every game, which they do. If they can win another title without losing tens of millions, great. If not, they won't be losing sleep. Someone replied to him, Barry, is this is an irresponsible statement by you. And then he said, absolutely not. You should know half of what I know and can't say. And then guy, this guy responded and he said, go on. And he said, I would lose my press credentials if I reported. So things, Joe, Joe Cronin has single-handedly taken down the Miami. He, it is. He's done it, miracles on me. It's, it's well, especially because you guys got Drew now. Uh, yes. I would have, like, as a Sixers fan, as I said, ultimate monkey paw situation. I wanted the end of the heat. I wanted the death of the heat for sure. Even though I know that they can't. It's This is a zombie movie. I mean, literally Bill called them the zombie heat for a reason. I keep saying this, and I am I was victory lapping when they didn't get Damian Lillard, and I was happy that they were shut out and blah, blah, blah. But I know that we're going to get a report where they get some good player like Zach Levine or Donovan Mitchell for much less than their value, and they're totally fine. But the fact that the Bucks and the Celtics are better, if you're a Bucks or a Celtics fan, well, I should say a Celtics fan more so, you've got to be in absolute heaven right now because Cronin not only fucked over the heat, but ended up making your team better suited to win the title at the end of the day after, you know, they beat you in the conference finals for the second time. I I'm just, I'm very jealous that you were able to have this moment. Cause I, I have to mourn the death of the Sixers while also celebrating the death of the potentially the death of the heat. They haven't been shot in the head yet in the, in the zombie movie, but uh, you know, I'm sure they'll, they'll wriggle their way out of this jam soon. It is literally crazy that they've made two finals compared to the Clippers. Like, the Clippers have had more talent than the Heat every single year <laughs> of the Kawhi Leonard and Paul George era. Have made one conference finals. Heat made two, almost made a third. It's, it's, in, it's insane. It's insane. They, they actually made three conference finals. and Almost three finals NBA twice. finals. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's you know. I uh, I gotta say I am really enjoying the the Heat fan meltdown too, um, just because uh, you know it, it, they they it's I the I love the the response by Barry that it's like it's irresponsible for Barry to not report um, it, like like 
um, turmoil in the front office. It's like, what, what do you think the job is of a, of a press and beef report? <laughs> like, it's not fucking Bob Woodward. You, you, don't, <laughs> you don't like just like, like that is your job is to like, like, like spin the, the, the fucking the things you report. If it's like something like really bad, but if it's like, Oh no, they want to make money instead of winning. It's like, well, yeah, that's fucking pretty much every NBA team. I'm I was going to say every NBA team, except for a few, and they would still prefer make the only reason that they really value winning is because it makes them more money. Usually. <laughs> yeah. It, it, Cause I offer revenue the, and, and merchandise for when you win the conference finals and the finals and ratings. Well, it also, and... it also boosts the fucking, the, 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 the real money, which is the, the valuation of the fucking. The exactly. Teams. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. like um, what they sell for. So Yeah. So. yeah. I did want to uh, quickly say, uh, Barry, the funniest thing of Barry's tweets is that the Heat sell out every game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do they? <laughs> Not a chance. I don't think they do. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't. I, I don't. I don't think that's true. If you, I love. I would love in the like. There were a couple times in that uh, Eastern Conference Final Series where there's like literally like 13 fans like in, in the first few rows, like in the game is tipping. Because, yeah. like, <laughs> well, you know that Miami traffic, it's it's killer. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I just want a Mickey Mouse run, is what I'm trying. I see the uh, the other Heat uh, fan comment in the comments here. Embiid is going to demand a trade to Miami, and Daryl Morey negotiating with Pat Riley is going to take years off my life. I will say this much if Embiid requests a trade, Maury just isn't going to trade him. What? How many times do we have to see this? He's just not going to do it. We've already seen it with Ben Simmons. He had to sit for a year. It literally, he ruined a man's life. Daryl Maury <laughs> ruined Ben Simmons' entire life and just broke his brain to the point where it was completely unrecoverable. He is forever is a changed man because of what Daryl Morey did to him. James Harden, who has been his best friend for a fucking decade, wanted some money. And he said, no, I don't care. Nope. Oh, you want to trade? No, I don't give a shit about that either. Nope. I don't care. What do you, he has no loyalty to Joel Embiid. He just got here three years ago. If he asks for a trade, he's going to be like, no. And that's going to be the end of the conversation. And we'll speculate on it for a year and there will be all this shit in the media and it will be 10 times what we've already fucking seen. Joel Embiid is never ending up in the Miami Heat. He's, they're not, I would be, I would welcome a trade of Joel Embiid in the next year or two because I think that they just clearly have no fucking idea what they're fucking doing. But it's just not going to happen. What, 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 do, have we not learned from recent history? Sorry. No, that was great. <laughs> I just go, I had to cook for a little bit. He's never getting traded. Just give it up. Daryl. Daryl is, uh, Daryl is, I, I feel like Daryl must like, owe NFT debts or something like that, that we haven't like that. That's where he really gained his experience holding on to something that, uh, had value until it no longer has value. <laughs> I can't imagine that Daryl yeah. holds on to something that is literally, it it, it it well at least at least with James Harden and with Joel Embiid at one point when Daryl Morey was the general manager of the team they did have value. Ben Simmons never had value from the jump. He's a perfect comp for the NFT. <laughs> yeah, he really is the the NFT of players. Yes, the second that Daryl Morey was here, his value went completely out the window. But uh, I do just want to say 
Um, Chiodo was cooking. I agree. He, he, I totally agree with what he said about all this. This is exactly what I was talking about earlier. Um, and the fact that they're just not in the same tier as the Celtics or the Bucks, and and punning on the season for maybe another element of of this that I totally forgot about. One of the free agents next summer that they could have potentially made a run at was Drew Holiday, who had a player option after this year. And the Celtics are apparently going to negotiate an extension with him. So your cap space plan has another hole in it because Drew was one of the best players in next offseason. The other ones are Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, Rob. Good luck. Which, <laughs> getting them out of L.A.? Yeah, that's not happening. Yeah. Uh, also, it's so, like, Drew Holiday, everything I've heard is that, like, one of the things that was like any team that was trading from was going to have to pay him long-term because he wants the security. Sure. So it's like, he was just not going to be a free agent unless the Sixers had traded for him, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, unless the Sixers traded for him and they wouldn't extend him. And also he was like, this is a shit show. I need to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the Paul George Kawhi Leonard thing, Zach Lowe voice again about the, I've heard about the extensions. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I have no idea, but like they, they're not going to Philly. <laughs> No, I don't know where not. they might go. They're not yeah. going to Philadelphia. Yeah. And there's literally nobody else. Like Tobias Harris is a top 10 free agent next year because nobody hits free agency anymore. Pascal Siakam and OG and Anobi. The only, you're banking on Masai Ujiri being incredibly stubborn and walking away from a number that he's uncomfortable with. And honestly, based on recent history, maybe not the worst idea in the world to do that. But at the same time, how much are you willing to overpay for these players? I've, like I said, the cap space plan only made sense if you were to able sa- to salvage this year some for me. If you were able to trade for a Drew Holiday or a Zach Levine or whoever, sure, totally fine. Or whoever it is, I don't, I don't even know. Just a guy that could help you compete for a championship. Punning on it and also not having uh, great options next summer is just it makes this even more maddening. And Joel Embiid himself tweeted. And said on Twitter, or I'm sorry, yeah, he said something like, oh, this offseason has been fun, Lamo. And then Daryl Morey liked it. So, like, I guess they're all in on the joke that we're not completely aware of. And it's, look, it's easy for Joel to laugh now, but when we lose in the first round instead of the second round next year, then we'll see how happy he still is to be here in Philadelphia when it's very obvious Miami and Boston are leagues ahead of where the Sixers are at. And that's, that's like, the thing is, I think you guys have talked about this too, is like midseason trades for big pieces don't work. And like Ever. all these Clippers fans are like, oh, we can wait. Like we don't need to get, it's like, no, if you want to win this season, you need to make the trade before New Year's at, at right. latest, yeah. like preferably now. Yep. And like, this is also why the, the thing with Harden is like his value is not going to go up because nope. any team will have to integrate him. He's not an easy piece to integrate. Exactly. He only has one year left on his deal He's a rental unless you already have a pre-range deal that he's going to resign. So, like, the Clippers, every day that goes by, like, James Harden loses a tiny sliver of value for the Clippers as well as for the Sixers. So, basically, we just need to bully them into, into making a deal and just compromising on something. Or both seasons are, are completely out the window. They I've are been, anyway, but, like... Yeah, you know. I, I've been trying to think of... I've been trying to think of what funny things Harden could do when he comes back. And I think punting a basketball during a game, it should totally be like, just like last time he let the ball roll out of bounds. He just never got back on defense this time. I just want to see him fully punt a basketball. Like it's soccer ball into the stands. 
I want to see him either. There are two possibilities. One is to pull an Andrew Bynum and start shooting as soon yes. as he gets the ball. That the would be great. That was that was what I was going to bring up was the Andrew yeah. Bynum. Like whenever he touched the ball in practice, just shooting it immediately. Like, that, yeah, we you do that. I, I I know that the the fat suit is going to be talking to him like the Green Goblin, like the Willem <laughs> yeah. Dafoe, like whispering to him. Yeah, you need me, James. <laughs> Put me on. <laughs> no, no, no! You can't do this to me. <laughs> it's it, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. I, I mean, like, look. I still think. Um, I don't know. Like, I do still think there is like something because, like, there's a lot of teams that like aren't contenders that fashion themselves as contenders because, like, like the, that like the was Clippers. Kind of the Clippers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, they're kind of on this like tier now. Like, where I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if like the price is right. I mean, I guess the thing is that Daryl Morey, like, won't compromise. But, like, you know, like, a team like the Knicks, like, could hypothetically use James Harden. Like, even if, like, you know, if it's yeah, all it will it's... take is Jalen Brunson and five first-round picks, according to Daryl Morey. Yeah. <laughs> what? What's Darryl, the biggest Darryl... issue with trading for, Dar- for, for James Harden is it's not like trading for Drew Holiday. You can't extend him. And, like, he's not like Dame either, where, like, the stuff about Dame, like, not showing up was always we knew that was shit. Yeah. James Harden, if he gets traded to, like, Indiana, might just not show up. Yeah. He might just be like, oh, fuck it. Yeah. He needs, honestly, I, I what needs to happen is we need Unstoppable Force, a movable object. We need Toronto and Philly to get together. We need Masai, Daryl negotiations in a a Pascal Harden swap. And I need to see what that, like, that that, that'd be like basketball. the rim, like the yeah. rim of negotiating, like just two titans of being obstinate and annoying, like fighting each and, other. And also two people that, you know, look, both very good at basketball, James Harden and Pascal Siakam. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pascal Siakam, as talented as he is, I've said many times on the record, one of my least favorite players to watch. And James Harden on a team trying to carry it in uh, Toronto would also be a, a gross, a, an absolutely gross watch. But I see someone commented down here. Uh, a Heat fan tweeted and said, Pat Riley in almost every presser, I'm going to get another whale. I assume that's something that he says in his press conferences, as in like, we're going to get another star. And this is now what? Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell. To be fair, Bradley Beal doesn't deserve to be in the same conversation as these guys, but this is the four straight guy that Miami just hasn't got. And I do wonder, someone brought this up on Twitter the other day. Uh, Barry Jackson did respond to that tweet about uh, him saying he's going to get another whale. And he said, it's not his decision on money. And one of the things we talked about is the Miami Heat ownership, notoriously not wanting to go deep into the tax and spend a lot of money. And But the reason I bring this up is because I wonder if I know it's a little bit ridiculous because Boston isn't a small market, but I we were talking about it the other day when people were calling it like a spite trade when he didn't trade him to Miami. But if these small market GMs are kind of getting sick of the big markets, just like being like, yeah, we'll just get them for whatever we want. Like they gloated all off season about how they were just going to get Damian Lillard. And 
second straight offseason. The Knicks did it last offseason with Donovan Mitchell, too, where the small market GMs were just like, fuck you. We'll deal with each other, and we don't need to deal with the big markets. Is there a big market tax is essentially what I'm trying to say, because I definitely think that they ended up walking away with a better package at the end of the day here, but it wasn't clear from the jump that that was going to be the case when they made the Dave trade. I just would like to imagine like all the small small market GMs have like a Twitter DM where they conduct all their negotiations and keep out the large market teams. (laughs) 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 Joe Cronin has just like a direct line to Horst of Milwaukee. His Twitter circle is just, yeah. well, that's going away soon. But for the next few weeks, it's just, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers GM, Utah Jazz, Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, and they're just like... it was, I was gonna say they're like they're like the witches in Dune, where they have like they have a grand scheme that they're working together, and all the other GMs are like calling Joe up, like fear is the mind killer. Do not let, <laughs> do not let, do not let them bully you into this. Joe Cronin, put your hand in the box. They now, listen. If you re- they listen. If you remove to your us. hand from the box, and yeah. you trade Damian Lillard to Miami. You will die. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I I see in the comments. Um, is it possible that Pat Riley just eats whale? Totally possible. There, you know, that's that's a possibility when he's talking about that. Also, I, can I float my theory real quick? Yes, I just think that um, players can't get their houses insured anymore, and that's what's holding this up. Wait, you're telling me that the Ben Shapiro thing doesn't work when Ben Shapiro said <laughs> if if you're if you're concerned about climate change and you live on the coast. Just sell your house and move move inland. Yeah, and he was he was move. he was saying this he was saying this for people uh, when when climate change starts to ruin their property they should just sell it and then they yeah. should move inland, which is what we're all if we're you, all going to do. If you had a basement apartment that flooded over this weekend in Park Slope, just sell that <laughs> and for 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 uh, to someone else, it'll be fine. So yeah, they'll definitely that, want they'll they'll want your water damaged house. Yeah. It'll be awesome. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I think that also part of this is just like Miami's not one of these teams, but like Miami's also just been like quietly like huffing that the like gasoline where like they don't have like they've been like making something out of nothing for so long. Like they were already behind the eight ball because of that little era they went through before where they were like signing James Johnson and Kelly Olinick to like deals that were like 10% of the cap at that point. Hey, <laughs> like Tyler Johnson, you might have never heard of him. He, Tyler Johnson, you might have never heard of him, but he might be worth this money. Mm-hmm. Remember the that article? So funny. Where did what happened to Tyler Johnson? They traded him to the Suns and the Dragons. He got traded to the Suns and then he was then waived after it wasn't during the Dragic deal, it was after the Dragic deal. It was years later they dumped him. They just dumped him for like what, Tyler Johnson was on the team at the same time as Goran Dragic. Oh, was it the Crowder deal? No, no. Hold on, no. We, we now need to look this up. Yeah, I, was I just say, I, What did they trade Tyler Johnson for though? Like, because I, I don't remember. It was for Tyler Ty, uh, Tyler Johnson and Wayne Ellington for Ryan Anderson, who was signed to a shitty contract by Daryl Morey, and then Daryl Morey had to use DeAnthony Melton who he drafted in the second round to get off the Ryan Anderson contract to the Suns. And then he ended up on the heat for half a season and they got off the Tyler Johnson money. Tyler Johnson was waived and then he signed later with the Nets and then he played for the Sixers for a little bit as well. 
and now he's in some other league. Wow. What a journey. But I guess my point is that, like, I, I think that this is the, – the, the Heat are also still kind of, like, reaping the – like, the Duncan Robinson contract, you know, like – The Lowry contract like, is bad, too. Yeah. The hero like, contract, we – we I mean, I, I don't – I'm not quite as low on the hero contract as Sam, but, like mm-hmm. – it's not good. Like, I mean, if anything, it's neutral value at best case scenario, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I just don't think, you know, like, uh, you know, and I, I think that I, I just, I wonder what the, like the Clippers, it's funny. Cause like a lot of these big teams actually have like pretty good, like, I would think it's funny that like the Knicks are like really good at like second round picks and like late, like first picks. And like, I, I feel like the Clippers, I mean, Rob, you could probably tell me if I'm wrong about that. Rob hates all the Clippers draft picks every single time. Well, the the first round ones, but I feel like all their fringe guys, like their rotation guys, and when they sign Well, Terrence Mann's the only one, right? Oh, you mean like veterans? They've been really good at rehabbing veterans. That that is a a good heat comp where it's like Reggie Jackson, Nick Batum. Mm. Um they're like Mason Plumlee slightly, but he was he was good for the Hornets. But like there there have been a few examples, but yeah, their drafting is terrible. They just wave wave Jason Preston today. 33rd pick. I think he played like a hundred minutes for them over two seasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the Clippers fans are always complaining about how the Lakers scouting is so good, which is true. Like the Lakers scouts are amazing and yeah. the Clippers are just terrible. But yeah, I, I don't know what it is. It's really interesting because I mean, this is part of like the NBA that we just don't know about where it's like, what's, what's player development? Like what's just context? Like are the Clippers mm-hmm. really good at just like putting these vets in like a good situation at just like working with them? Like, Nick Batum was, like, 32. Like, he was not improving as a player. He just, like, it was just, like, a good context. They put him in the right spot. They made him comfortable, I guess. Like, um, but it's, like, they're... You know, he's 32. He's getting old. He might die of old age soon. So, you gotta mm-hmm. get him comfortable. So, I say this is yeah. a 33-year-old. I'm allowed if to say I, If I ever found a 33 or a 34-year-old, I would, on site, you know, you just gotta, like, it's like lantern flies. Where yeah. you just have to like, you know, the put them out of their misery. Species you need to be put down. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, guys, my thirty-fourth birthday is in two weeks. So Let's everyone, go. Happy, happy birthday! birthday. Yeah. Let's go, uh, yeah. so, Rob. Before we get out of here, I have to ask you this because Reese has been asking in the comments. Why do the Clippers want Brogdon now? Was it that they couldn't see the physical in time last time, or did they just see it and say no? I I have no idea why they want Bro- Malcolm Brogdon at all. Yeah. Like, so. <laughs> The, the initial trade was before the draft because it was for Marcus Morris, Amir Coffey, and the 30th pick in the draft. So it was before the draft. And then it made sense because, like, theoretically, he would be the point guard starter. But then they brought back Russ, and they still have Norm Powell. So, like, if they would trade Marcus Morris and Amir Coffey and, like, Kobe Brown or two second-round picks or whatever, like, they'd have a million guards again, just like they did last year he wouldn't be starting unless they were starting a super small lineup with like Russ, Malcolm Brogdon, PG, Kawhi Zoo, which would be not good. Um, or they bring him off the bench, like, and it would be him and Norm Powell, which would just be a disaster of like no passing and bad decision-making and bad defense. So I have no idea. Like, I mean, I would still do it just to get rid of Marcus Morris. Cause I, I detest him that much, <laughs> but like, there's no additive value to Malcolm Brogdon once they brought back Russ. It made sense pre-Russ. Now, I have, I really have no idea. My guess is there are people who think they want to do that and the Harden trade, which still doesn't make much sense. But like, yeah, I, I don't know. It would, I think it's if it's just to get off the Marcus Morris deal, like I feel like they could do that in other ways. Um, 
I would be a fan of just stretching, waving Marcus Morris's last year and just putting it out over three years or whatever. Like, just what does he have, have like 17 million left or something? 17 or 18 million. So it's like stretch that. It's like, you know, 6 million for the next three years or whatever it is. Yeah. And, you know, um, you're not yeah, going to cap space anyway. It doesn't really matter. Exactly. So to answer the question, I have no idea. Like, n- all the reporting is that they have still been interested. Some Celtics guy, I think it was Jared Weiss or Adam Hillsbach or whatever. One of them said that the Clippers have been asking about Brogdon all summer. I have zero idea why. If I don't know if it's literally just a Marcus Morris dump. If like they want that as a prelude to like a Norm Powell trade, like they have a trade for Norm Powell lined up, um, but they need to get Brogdon first as kind of like a one-for-one replacement. I don't know, uh, but it, it's honestly pretty baffling. Um, in terms of what they they are not giving a first round pick from no. Brockton. I highly their picks doubt are that. so valuable. If they trade one of their like late twenty, like twenty twenty eight or twenty thirty picks for Malcolm Brockton, like they should all be fired immediately. Yeah. I mean, we just saw Damian <laughs> Lillard go for that. So like yeah. like look, they did get Drew Holiday too. Obviously, that's a big part of it. They were able to flip Drew for very positive value. But and I would say this is probably the first trade where I looked at the Celtics not being like the clear fleecer in the trade. Every time they made a trade before, I was like, oh, Celtics fleece, Celtics fleece, Celtics fleece. This is the first time where I've come out on the other end and been like, I actually feel like the value was somewhat fair in that deal. But I think that if teams start to value, and I've always said this, having 100 picks is nice, but if you have one or two picks, you know are going to be pretty good. Like, I would love to get a Clippers pick a few years from now. I would love to get, just like Phoenix and the Brooklyn oh, yeah. trade, I would love to get that those Phoenix picks if I'm Brooklyn. I would prefer to get that than get, like, four Celtics first in the next few years that I know are just going to be really bad picks. And I, I think that the fact that the Clippers have at least one pick they could trade far out, this is probably what the Sixers are banking on, too is that a t- the value of stars around the league over the next year is going to keep dropping and dropping and dropping. And if the value of stars around the league and trades keeps dropping, then it's going to make it so that maybe you only have one or two picks that are really seen as really valuable, and it can get you a Damian Lillard type. It can get you one of those top 25 guys, top 15 guys in Dame's case, in the NBA, and that's why you shouldn't do this. I'm not defending Daryl Morey, though, just to be clear here. I want to make it completely perfectly uh, clear that I am not defending Daryl Morey. But that is the logic behind this. I yeah, think, I mean, I think, you know, Sixers. it's like the idea of like you have to win every trade is like, I mean, that's not the point of negotiating, right? It's yeah. not to it's to get a deal done Yeah, that like you benefit from. Yeah. But it's not like, oh, I'm going to fleece this guy because that's not how deals are made. Like that's, that's what Maury Masai and Ainge have a sickness. They yeah. have a sickness that cannot be cured. It is, yeah. it is a, it is a, I must not only must I, this trade benefit me, I have to embarrass the other GM. And that's yeah. what, for at least for the big trades, I will say, I think that especially Maury and Ainge have made more reasonable the, trades on the lower levels. Where you they're running off the prisoner's dilemma thing. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like where it's like you, if you, cause if you look at, that's the thing with the prisoner's dilemma is you like you look at this little grid and it's like okay logically these are the choices i make and if i make these choices it's best for me but they don't understand that there's a a collaborative space in which you both get better and it's better than neither of you making the deal that's 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 like the 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 trade-off there and that's 
that's the thing I always remember about Danny Ainge is I used to get so mad like later on when like teams wouldn't deal with Danny Ainge or they'd ask these ridiculous prices of Danny Ainge they wouldn't ask of other play like GMs and it's like I eventually understood oh it's because he's a dickhead Got exactly it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah no one wants to deal with these with yes. with Masai and Mori and all these guys because they always just try to run the price up and they always try to get like I said they try to embarrass the other person whereas Cronin's been pretty transparent with what Rob was saying in that like there's benefit to both sides coming out happy of a trade. You want to do other trades with those teams in the future. And that's what's yeah. happened a lot of times with front offices. There are certain front offices that are super comfortable with making trades with each other because yep. they know that they're not going to be, you know, hardlined on these trades and like, oh, this is this is where I, I won't budge. And, and they'll agree and then they'll back out and all this shit that these GMs that were seen as kind of elite GMs for the last decade. And honestly have their their Mickey Mouse run might be over because the fact that they are have this perception around the league and the fact that like no one wants to deal with them right now. Yeah. yeah. I think nope. I mean I think the Clippers have to hope that Harden is just so embarrassing in training camp that like his price goes way down. That like it's so bad that uh, like Daryl Morey will I'm, just be like sure, I'm telling you Morey is never going to trade. Yeah. It's it, just it, it, he it, could literally show up for... with a shirt that says Daryl Morey is Adolf Hitler and he would not trade him. Like that is wh- I'm telling you, there's nothing he can do that would make him trade him except for maybe making Joel and beat ask for a trade. Maybe in that case Daryl Morey will consider reconsider. God, I don't it is it, well, how about this? Here's what if what if it's um Daryl I what if it's James Harden for Ben Simmons and the Philly picks back. <laughs> he only has, there's only one Philly pick left. So, I mean, look, that's, yeah, might be fair. There you we, go. We're running it back, baby. Everyone wanted us to get Drew Holiday. No, the real guy that we have to reacquire is Ben Simmons. And that's, Robert Covington. Or, yes, or Robert Covington. Well, that's, that's another thing that's kind of funny to me is that all of the players that leave the Sixers at one point have kind it's funny because the majority of players who have left the Sixers Robert Covington Drew Holiday seemingly really good guys have talked shit on the Sixers or the Sixers fans at a different point in time and funny enough the one guy who hasn't is Ben Simmons (laughs) bring him home baby that's the cap space plan the Castaway's yeah. plan is to reacquire Ben Simmons next summer, and we're going to get him in a salary dump with two first-round picks. Well, it's kind of like like if you love something, let it go, right? <laughs> like, like that's, that's the thing. Like you, you bet you had to have Ben had to he had to go on Rumspringa away from Philly, <laughs> New York. Yeah, and if now, now he's coming home. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! I'm, if Ben Simmons were to play for the Sixers again, his first home game would be maybe the most insane home crowd of all time <laughs> pitch pitchforks for the player that's on their team just wait till you see james harden's first home game oh man i'm that's excited. gonna be fun we got a few Are, weeks. aren't they playing the bucks first didn't i hear somebody was talking about yep. that and i will be tweeting in all caps football's on <laughs> football's on football's on baby football's on football's not on though that's that's it's uh, a thursday night it is on no, 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 I'm saying f- football's not on, though, today. Like, for example, there was supposed to be a game at 4 o'clock, and it was canceled. Oh, um, the uh, yeah, I heard about that that famous yeah, uh, game. Yeah, it's too bad. Yeah. Um, 
So I just uh, football is not back on until Caleb Williams is drafted. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, uh, are you going to be bad enough to get Caleb Williams? Is the question. And Mac, Mac, Mac jo- I was going to say Mac yeah. Jones benching Mac Jones might be the worst thing the Patriots can do if their goal is to get Caleb Williams. Because yeah. I didn't believe you after the first two weeks when you said we would be two and zero if we were starting Daniel Jones instead of Mac Jones. And then I watched the Cowboys game today, and I, now I get it. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's not good, folks. Um, by the way, Eagles fans, feel free to uh, send me money for my my reverse jinx tweet where I said the Eagles' insanity run was over, and then they turned it around. So and they won four zero, baby. Uh, all yep. we do is win. I don't care how it looks, just win, baby. I'm Al Davis. I'm J Rock. Win, 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 win. <laughs> so. Thank you for joining us, Rob. I appreciate it. Follow You Know Birds, my new podcast. Follow Rob on Twitter at Rich Homie Flom before Elon Musk continues to ruin that site and follow all of Rob's work as well. Covering the Clippers, uh, the lob, the jam, the pod, and two on three hoops. Yep, that's that's right. And you can find me being extremely depressed on, on all <laughs> platforms. Yeah, with watching the West Coast Sixers. Let's go. I, I will miserable. admit it would be a very funny bit if like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard played like 70 games each and they like won the title this year. The funniest that, that would outcome be a is a Clippers Sixers championship. Actually, that why didn't we think of that when we were trying to come up with the funniest outcomes? Clippers yeah. and Sixers after finally everyone gives up on them. Like it's the year that we're all like we've written them off. That's fuck them, and it's a Clipper Sixers final with James Harden still on the Sixers. <laughs> that's we're putting it into reality. This is happening now. Oh, so cow. yeah. Yeah, when uh, when Giannis and Tatum both uh, have ankle injuries in the playoffs, just remember this. You don't need to make one up for Tatum. His wrist is fucked up, so just reality. Still, has it been like three years since his wrist got fucked up? No, you didn't see that reporting that like he can't get surgery on it because it'll like probably make it worse. To like, so is like, Tatum just not going to be a good pull up three point shooter anymore because of the? Yeah, wasn't that what fucked up? Be. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe, luckily so. he's turned into Giannis Light, so. Unless it's a game seven against the Sixers, then he can hit as many pull-up threes as he wants. So yeah, link in the description for Udo Birds. Follow that. Sign up for the Udo Ball Patreon, Underdog, all that shit. Thank you to Rob for joining us, and uh, we'll be back later this week.